the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host and your rainy day friend as it's raining here in Southern California. I'm glad to be your friend with you on this rainy day. Sometimes we don't know what to do in our town when it rains, but I hope that you are driving safely or that you are doing whatever you can to just enjoy the fact that God is blessing us with the rain that we need right here in California. We're live in Southern California each and every day from 3 to 5, and it's great to be with you today. We bring you to the table for some encouragement, some fun, and some conversation about the issues of the day from a Christian perspective, and it's always good to be with you. I'm really glad to be with you today. In this hour, our guest is Lee Strobel, and we're going to talk about heaven. Lee Strobel is uh, a man who has written some books that you've probably read, The Case for Christ, The Case for Easter, The Case for Miracles, and he gives us many other books along this theme for how, why is it, what are some reasons for us to believe these things? And so, Lee, welcome to Southern California Live. Which I appreciate. It's raining out there, huh? It is, it is raining out here. It causes us to pray, confess sins, wonder what God is, <laughs> you know, doing to I us. I used to live... Yeah, I used to live out in Southern California for about 10 years when I was a teaching pastor with Rick Warren out at Saddleback. Right. And uh, I remember how infrequently it rained. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes it's a complete disaster. We don't know what to do, but we try not to complain. Yeah, that's true. We try not to complain too much. You know, the worst thing that happens is it gets under 60 degrees. Then we're really in trouble. That's uh, right. That's know, crisis mode. That's right. Well, Lee, I really appreciate you coming to the show and uh, today, and you have got a new book, and there's a movie movie coming out based on this book called The Case for Heaven that comes out next week, and we'll give some information about that in a minute. Um, I am uh, very excited about this movie, and I was able to watch it and this book. I think people are going to be blessed by it, because we live in a time where people are thinking about death maybe more than ever. Uh, we really are. I mean, you know, 29% of Americans know someone who's died during the pandemic. Uh, right. my, my brother, my older brother died at the beginning mm. of the pandemic. And yeah. um, my wife and I were at a restaurant uh, recently, and uh, the waitress, who was about 18 years old, uh, we're talking to her, and all of a sudden she, she burst into tears. And we said, what's wrong? She said, oh, I'm so sorry. I almost didn't come into work today. We just lost a family member to COVID. Mm. And I thought, you know, here's a young woman, probably 18 years old. I never thought about death before. I mean, right. why should she? She's 18. She's got her whole life ahead of her. Right. And yet now you could see the apprehension and anxiety in her eyes because death had come knocking on her family's door. So I think you're right. I think this is a, a it's always a relevant topic, but I think ever more so these days. I think you're right in every every age group. So what inspired you to talk about heaven and the afterlife? Well, it started about 10 years ago when I almost died. Yeah, tell us about that. My wife found me unconscious. Yeah, my wife found me unconscious on the bedroom floor. She called an ambulance. I woke up in the emergency room, and the doctor looked down at me and said, you're one step away from a coma, two steps away from dying. And then I went unconscious again. I I had kind of an unusual medical condition called hyponatremia, which means a severe drop in my blood sodium level. 
Okay. And that caused my brain cells to take in moisture. And so my brain cells were expanding. Well, of course, there's no room in your cranium for your brain cells to expand. <laughs> and so uh, you, you go through hallucinations and then, uh, um, um, you know, ultimately uh, you, you go into a coma and you die. Um, so I hovered between life and death for a while there until the doctors were able to save my life. And I'll tell you what, it's a very clarifying experience to almost die. I don't I know bet if it you've is. ever had. Yeah, uh, it just, it clarifies a lot of things because I'm laying there wondering if I'm going to make it, wondering if when I close my eyes, will I open them again in this world or not? And of course, as a Christian, I believed what the Bible teaches about the afterlife. But, you know, I've got this skeptical bent, too. You know, my That's right. background's in journalism and law. And so I, you know, I, I kind of wanted to know, you know, what does the evidence of the world say about the, the truth of the Bible's teachings about heaven and hell? And so it launched me on a, a, a lengthy investigation where I interviewed everybody from neuroscientists to um, uh, theologians and others, philosophers. Um, you know, what evidence is there that indeed we do live on um, when we, uh, our bodies die in this world? You know, there's been a lot of research into this, and maybe some of our listeners yes. haven't realized it, but in the last several years, there is a lot of research and a lot of scientific thinking about consciousness and those kinds yes. of things that have changed because of this research. And uh, when oh, you absolutely. went... Yeah. So tell us about... Uh, near-death experiences. What is yeah. What is it that you've been finding with that? Well, I was a skeptic when I first began investigating, and there have been some oh, yeah. stories where people actually made up stories about, oh, I yes. died, I met Jesus, he's five foot ten, real nice guy. I mean, <laughs> yeah, but, there's no way you can... I know one where verify that. Where a guy who writes books, he went to heaven and he met Paul and he said that Paul is disappointed because he didn't finish the race like he thought and told him a few things and then he came back and said, I need to buy my books because they're just like Paul's. I thought, ah, that's oh, not real, goodness. that guy right there. Don't yeah. buy his books. Don't do that. Exactly, exactly. But you're right that there's been a lot of research into this area. In the last, um, you know, uh, I'd say 40 years, there's been over 900 scholarly articles written in scientific yeah. and medical publications on this topic. Uh, and in fact, one of the more interesting articles was published in The Lancet, which is the famous medical journal in England. And it concluded that all of the alternative explanations to near-death experiences, oh, these are hallucinations or an oxygen-deprived brain or whatever, mm. none of them can account for this phenomenon. Yes. So what I looked for was cases where we had corroboration. In other words, where people saw things or experienced things that they could not otherwise have seen or experienced if they didn't really have an out-of-body experience. And so, um, for instance, there's Maria who died in the hospital. Uh, but she said later, I was, I was conscious the whole time. And she described how her spirit separated from her body and was, was floating uh, uh, at the ceiling of the operating room. And she watched the resuscitation efforts being done on her body. And then her spirit floated up and out of the hospital. But then when she was revived, her spirit returned to her body. And she said to the nurse, by the way, there's a man's tennis shoe on the roof of the hospital. And it's dark blue. It's left-footed. There's some wear over the little toe. And the shoelace is tucked under the heel. So they go up to the roof, and they find it exactly as she said. It's a stunning so that's story. The kind of, yeah. And, and you have that story. Journal. 
Right. And, um, you know, I think for people listening, they, they hear that right now. And, and many of our listeners are not believers. They're not really sure what they think about this. And then there are many people who are believers. And I'm skeptical of a lot of things like this that people say sometimes right. as a pastor. You know, I've heard it all. And, and, uh, and you're somebody who your background is somebody who was skeptical. You became a Christian yeah. later because you tried to disprove Christianity. Right. Uh, and you accepted the Lord, published Case for Christ, and here you are. How do you deal with this personally? And when you're going through this and you decide, I'm going to investigate this, and you hear that story for the first time, yeah, what yeah. is your, your well, process it, going forward? Well, for me, it was, okay, well, I had to do some research in peer-reviewed secular scientific medical journals to try to get at the root of this. Are there other documented cases? And what I found is we have a, a, a proliferation of cases like that where people see things or experience things that would have been impossible if they didn't have an out-of-body experience. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, so there, there are a bunch of these kind of experiences. In fact, one study uh, looked at 21 blind people who had near-death experiences, half of them blind since birth. And most of them said they could actually see during their near-death experience, some of them for the first time. Um, they saw... Um, um, people trying to revive them. They saw trees and birds and people for the first time. And then uh, when they were revived, their eyesight disappeared again. So a medical researcher said this is impossible, according to medical, uh, our current medical knowledge. So, And then another study looked at nearly 100 cases where people made verifiable observations during their out-of-body experience. And a remarkable 92% of those observations were absolutely completely accurate. Another 6% were almost completely accurate. That's 98%. So it's, it's, it's incredible. It's extraordinary. Uh, one case. Go ahead. It is. There was one, one case with a 70-year-old girl named Katie who drowned in a YMCA swimming pool, had massive brain swelling, no measurable brain activity, zero brain waves, zero heartbeat for 20 minutes. She's clinically dead. Uh, they take her to the emergency room. They put her in a room and keep her body alive mechanically until they decide what to do with it. Well, she said later, I was, I was conscious the whole time. I watched this the whole time. And she says, a matter of fact, one night when my parents visited me, I followed them home. And I was, and she was able to describe in detail what her parents and brother and sister were wearing, what they did when they got home, what their mother cooked for, for dinner. Um, where her father was sitting, uh, which toys her brother and sister were playing with. I mean, things that there's no way she could have known. She even mapped the emergency room where she had been taken when she was clinically dead and placed everything exactly correct. This is a seven-year-old girl. And these stories so, are not just a one-off. Going on. Yeah, That's this right, is, exactly. These, yeah. This happens repeatedly, and uh, you're listening to Southern California Live. Our guest is Lee Strobel, the author of A Case for Heaven, and the movie coming out under the same title next week. But I'm going to encourage you to see here in just a few minutes. You know, Lee, you pointed out, and I think this is worth pointing out repeatedly to our, our audience and people who might be hearing this and skeptical, that you're talking about studies that have been done in secular scientific journals, peer-reviewed Yes. All those things that we hear about in the pandemic, right, that, that people are sort of yes. familiar with, these aren't things that just some pastor came up with in some church somewhere in another country that nobody saw. These exactly. Have been, and and these not only been, that, it, what's also important to know is in the movie and in my book, I interviewed John Burke. John Burke's a Christian pastor. He has a church in Austin, Texas. I've actually known John for about 30 years. We used to be pastors together at a church in Chicago. 
And um, uh, uh, John studied a thousand near-death experiences. And his conclusion is when you look at not just how people interpret what happens during their near-death experience, but if you look at what actually occurs, it's consistent with Christian theology. That is huge. That is huge. And um, yeah, exactly. This is confirming what the Bible says. And how would you make that connection? So you're a believer, you know that you're going to heaven, and if you really study, you know there's new heaven and new earth, and you have some idea, but how would you connect what we know in the Scripture to how these life, these near-death experiences are playing out? Right. Well, the Apostle Paul said, to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. Uh, Jesus said to the repentant criminal on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise which suggests there are really two aspects to the afterlife. The first takes place called the intermediate state, where when, when our body dies, our spirit, our soul, our consciousness separates from our body, and we continue to exist um, um, for a period of time, either in the presence of God, if we're followers of Christ, or away from him in Hades. Uh, at the consummation of history, when Jesus returns, we're united with our now-resurrected bodies, and uh, we go through final judgment, and then we spend eternity uh, in a very physical heaven or a very physical hell. So the importance of near-death experiences, it confirms what Paul and Jesus were saying about the fact that our consciousness, our spirit, continues to live on um, immediately after our death. Now, these people, though, keep in mind, are not irreversibly dead. They're, they're clinically dead, uh, right. but they're going to come back. So there's a little bit of a difference there. But um, nevertheless, the the fact that our consciousness continues after our clinical death, I think, is confirming of what the Bible teaches. And it's also challenging some notions that scientists have had about consciousness being located in a certain part of the brain, right? And some of these studies, as I understand them, they're saying, well, that part of the brain is brain dead in these people, and yet they're having these incredible... Um, memories of things that went on in the room, yes. things that they have seen. And the oh, science absolutely. used to say, you, you can't do that. That part of your brain is gone. But we're finding out that's not real. That's right. In fact, there was a famous study done in, a, again, a secular scientific peer-reviewed medical journal uh, that established that people in, quote-unquote, vegetative states, that many of them are, are, are conscious during that experience that they're hearing things, their, their brain is processing information uh, during that experience. And um, that was a breakthrough study that really, um, um, you know, uh, raised a lot of eyebrows among doctors who thought that these people, their brains were, quote-unquote, dead. Yeah. Um, but indeed, you know, the Bible talks about the fact we have a soul, we have a spirit, but it never defines it. It never says, here's what the soul is. And the reason is, it presupposes we all realize we have a soul. We all know we have a consciousness. We're not just a a bunch of neurons firing in our skull, um, but we have a consciousness, a soul, that indeed can continue to live on after our clinical death. You know, we live in this time, like we said, where people are afraid of, of death. How can this research help people um, when they're afraid of death, if they're really afraid of, you know, a lot of people are terrified of the COVID or they're terrified yeah. of the, the war that's going on or just things in general. Uh, what are some ways that yeah, this you, research can help? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I, you know, the Bible specifically says um, that there is a, uh, a fear of death. Hebrews 2 uh, verse uh, 15 uh, talks about some people can become enslaved to the fear of death. 
Mm. Um, and yet it says there's an antidote, and the antidote is Jesus. Um, and the Bible's very clear about that, that if, if Jesus is who he claimed to be, um, and we have, and I talk about this in my book, um, incredible uh, historical data that establishes that Jesus didn't just claim to be the Son of God, he backed up that claim by returning from the dead. Right. So if indeed he is who we claim to be, then we ought to be listening to him about what the afterlife is like. And look at the metaphors he uses to describe it. He, he uses a metaphor of home. You know, um, mm. you think about that. If you've ever been in a third world country, maybe in very difficult circumstances, like I went to India for a while as a new yeah. Christian, and I'm sleeping on the ground and eating strange <laughs> foods, and, and it was really hard. Uh, and you begin to have homesickness. Right. And you begin to long for home. And then when you get home and you walk in the door, it's such a place of warmth and security and love and comfort. And then you crawl into your own bed, and Jesus says, that's the metaphor I want you to keep in mind. This is your home. Heaven is your real home. This yes. is just a way station that you're at now. And I think that should be assuring, reassuring to us that, uh, you know, the Bible says no, no mind, no eye is seen, no ear is heard, no mind is even conceived of what God has in store for those who love him. Um, it's so wonderful and transformative and exciting and adventurous and, um, and full of love and grace and so forth um, that we can't even conceive of it yet. Uh, so, so the Bible uses figurative language often and metaphors to try to hint at what it's going to be like. Um, and, and I'll tell you what, if, if God loves us that much, if he loves us so much, he sent his son to suffer and die so that we could be reconciled with him forever. We can trust him with what he's going to have in store uh, for us in eternity. And, you know, we can trust the, the things that sometimes I think we say that are cliche. As you, were, as you were talking about home, I was thinking that we so often say, you know, so-and-so has been called home to be with the Lord. Yeah. And we just say that right. now as Christians and it becomes church ease. But what a profound thing we're actually saying. It, it really home. is. It, yeah. it really is. It makes me say, man, I know what that feels like to be homesick. And, and uh, you know, I love the way Charles Spurgeon put it. It's probably my favorite quote that I came across in my research. He said, you know, the very glory of heaven is that we shall see him, that same Christ who once died upon Calvary's cross, that we shall fall down and worship at his feet, nay, more, that he shall yes. kiss us with the kisses of his mouth, and welcome us to dwell with him forever. Forever. Isn't that a so powerful great. quote? That, that Jesus will greet us with the kisses of his mouth. I love that. I love that, too. I love it where Revelation tells us that our tears will be wiped from our face, like a parent who grabs yes. your kid's face and just pushes the tears aside, and then there'll be no more. Yes, exactly. I mean, it's a wonderful thing. Now, we're talking about the afterlife and, and heaven and your, your book, The Case for Heaven, and when you deal with this in the book and you deal with it in the film, you also bring up the fact that not everybody's going to heaven, that there is right. an afterlife. How do we address that in a way that is that is sensitive but showing the reality of it? I think we have to be honest about it. You know, 23% of near-death experiences are negative experiences. They're, right. they're often horrific experiences. And we tell the story in the movie. There's an interview with um, uh, Howard Storm, who was an atheist, art professor, tenured at a secular university. He died in the hospital. And his experience in the afterlife was such a horror show. He said no, no horror movie could ever even approach uh, how awful it was. And, and in the midst of it, he called out to Jesus to save him. 
Jesus rescued him. Uh, and when he finally recovered, he not only renounced his atheism, he not only resigned his tenured position at the university, he not only became a Christian, he became a ordained minister and today is a pastor of a little church uh, in rural America. Uh, I thought, and you'll hear his story in the film. Yeah, I thought that part of the film was profound. I was, I, I was, did too. Yeah, I was riveted to that part because you're right. I've heard the other side of it. The people who've had terrible experiences yeah. with this and they right. come back. We're talking with Lee Strobel. Lee Strobel is the op- author of The Case for Heaven, and the movie The Case for Heaven is coming out in theaters nationwide April 4th, 5th, and 6th. So coming up, to find more information, go to thecaseforheavenmovie.com, thecaseforheavenmovie.com. And, um, you know, as uh, we'll talk about the movie a little bit more when we get back from, from the break here, uh, and that's coming away. What is it that uh, made you decide, hey, let's turn this book into a movie? How did that come about we may have to continue that when we get back in a second yeah i got a call from um a guy named manny sandoval who's a movie producer um who came up with the idea uh actually he wanted to turn my book the case for miracles into a movie and i said wait a minute let me tell you about my new book and i told him about the case for heaven he was just mesmerized especially by the near-death experience evidence and um so he kind of grabbed a hold of it and tackled the project and and uh i think he did a spectacular job we filmed it from coast to coast, from Washington, D.C., to uh, the coast of Oregon, to Sedona, to Chicago, to Louisiana, to Cambridge, England. Uh, cinematography in it is just stunning. And, um, and I think it's, it's suitable for both believers. I think they'll be encouraged. But for also for people who are spiritually confused and, and don't yes. know what to believe, I think this will bring some clarity to them. I was going to say that, that if you have somebody in your life who's uncertain or they're seeking or they're afraid of death— this movie's powerful. It's powerful. And um, we're going to talk about this more in just a moment. My guest is Lee Strobel. He's the author of The Case for Heaven, and which is being made into a movie called The Case for Heaven. And that will be out next uh, next week, April 4th, 5th, and 6th. You can go to thecaseforheavenmovie.com to find more information. We'll be back on Southern California Live with Lee Strobel in just a moment. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody, to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. It's great to be with you today. And my guest is Lee Strobel. Lee Strobel is the author of The Case for Heaven, and the movie The Case for Heaven is coming out next week. The Case for Heaven, uh, to get tickets, go to thecaseforheavenmovie.com. It'll be April 4th, 5th, and 6th next week at a theater near you. It's limited release, so you need to go to that website to get tickets. And it's only for those three days, so check it out. And we're talking about this movie. If you don't know who Lee Strobel is, Lee Strobel is atheist turned Christian. This is your bio, what it says, Lee. Uh, the former, <laughs> award, former award-winning former award legal editor of the Chicago Tribune. And you're a New York Times bestselling author of more than 40 books and uh, curricula. And you are currently the founding director of the Lee Strobel Center for Evangelism and Applied Apologetics at the Colorado Christian University. And... Uh, is that something that uh, that you're actively involved in? How's that going there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's kind of my legacy project. I yeah. gathered together uh, 40 PhDs in evangelism and apologetics, which, of course, is giving evidence for the faith. We created 91 courses, all accredited, all online, where people can get a bachelor's degree or a master's degree 
uh, in uh, evangelism and apologetics, um, or certificate courses for people that say, I don't want a degree, but man, I'd love to uh, study cultural apologetics, things like, um, you know, the cultural issues of our day, or historical apologetics, things like the evidence for the resurrection or world religions or Islam or whatever. So, uh, yeah, people go to strobelcenter.com, all the information's there. We'd love to have people uh, take courses. Do you feel like generationally that um, things have changed? You, you published uh, Case for Christ in what, two, 1998, so around right. that time. And uh, have things changed yep. in the way that we present or the way we ought to present the evidence for our faith in all that time? I think yes and no. Um, yes, in the sense that uh, certain issues are more prominent today than they were uh, in that day. Uh, things like uh, social issues, same-sex marriage, uh, abortion, things like that. Mm. But on the other hand, um, you know, what I find is that people, young people especially, when confronted with the uh, really powerful and compelling evidence for uh, Jesus, uh, for his life, teachings, miracles, death, and especially his resurrection, that, that uh, they respond to that. And, yes. um, you know, it's interesting when you look at um, some research done that Nancy Piercy, the scholar, recently published. She said, you know, one of the main reasons that young people are leaving the church is unanswered questions and doubts. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think we need to help young people understand that uh, there are good reasons to believe what we believe, that Christianity is not based on wishful thinking or legend or mythology. It's based on a solid foundation of truth. And, and when we help them see that, uh, then I think then taking the step then to put their trust in Christ uh, makes sense to many of them. I think that we uh, we underestimate people's abilities in our strange culture today to actually be able to process evidence. I think they can. Yeah. And uh, it is it is profound. And you talked about young people. This is uh, the case for heaven will be the second one of your books made into a movie. The first one was the case for Christ. Yeah. Uh, in 2017, and before I forget, I want to mention it because it's kind of—it's just personal to me. But since I have you here, my son, who is 12 years old, he watched the Case for Christ movie with his class at school. Goes to a Christian oh, wow. school, and my son is very logical and very inquisitive, and he's very thoughtful, and he keeps it to himself. And mm-hmm. I, just as a, a father and a pastor, you know, I try to pay attention to the things that he said. And I—I I want you to know, and I want our audience to know, that movie helped him. Uh, oh, that's that, awesome. That project helped my son, and I thank you for it. I know it's helped every one of his friends in his class, and it's helping people of all ages elsewhere. And uh, Well, I don't thank know you. you. That means a lot to me. Yeah, I don't know if you get that feedback a lot, but it's powerful. And when I, when I watch The Case for Heaven that I encourage everybody to see, it's heavy. You know, I'm debating whether 12 years yeah. old is maybe the right age, but... I think right. that this movie is going to impact people. Tell us the, the difference that you thought. How does this experience differ from the first in your two movies? Well, you know, that's a great question. The first uh, movie in 2017 was a feature film, and so there were actors and a script and so forth. This is a documentary. Um, it was totally unscripted, and it's based on interviews with— but the problem with that, I, I say— it's based on interviews, and people think, oh, it's a, like a black-and-white film where you have a talk right. about talking head. No, <laughs> it's an infomercial. It's very, oh, it's a beautifully filmed movie. And, yes, um, yes. But it's, it's, it's really a, it follows my research in looking at the evidence pointing toward the reality of the afterlife. Um, and so it's a different experience. I think people, some people read books and have a great experience with that. Some people just aren't book readers, and that's fine. 
um, they're more visual leader, uh, learners and audio learners. And so for them to see a motion picture that really encapsulates the evidence in a, in a compelling way and presents it in, in a powerful format, um, I think, as you say, it's going to impact some people who may never pick up a book. So as someone who wants to see more people come to faith in Christ, um, I want to get that message out in as many formats as we can. And so we have a, uh, yeah, children's editions designed for kids who are, say, 8 to 12. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a, it's called a young reader's edition. We have it in Spanish. Um, we have it uh, on audio. <laughs> We're just trying to reach as many people as we can with this good news. You know, the best news about heaven is that it's real. The worst yes. news about hell is that it's real. Yes. But the greatest news of all is Christ has opened the gates of heaven to anyone, anywhere, in any culture, at any time that comes to him in repentance and faith. And uh, that's the greatest news of all. It sure is. Hey, you're, and you're right about this movie. It's super well done. It's it's not, uh, you know, if you're worried about it being a documentary or something, it isn't. It's just so, I mean, it is, but it's so powerful. What was your favorite interview mm. from the movie? You know what? It was, it's, it's, it's a great question because it's in the movie and yet it isn't. What happened was I had the last formal interview with Luis Palau before he died. Mm. Uh, Luis, of course, a famous evangelist who shared his faith with a billion people during his lifetime. And um, he knew he was dying. And so I went to spend the day with him and his wife. He was a hero of mine and a friend of yeah. mine. And so I spent the day with him. And in the we were going to go back to do the video interview, but he died in the interim. So in the film, you actually hear his voice uh, on a recording I did, but you, you, you don't see him um, on the video. But the thing he said to me, here's one sentence he said to me that I will never, ever forget. Before he died, he looked at me and he said, Lee, I can tell you from personal experience that at the end of your life, when all is said and done, you'll never regret being courageous for Christ. And I thought, wow, wow. That, that's, that's a statement every Christian needs to take to heart. Yes, that is powerful. He was a he had a great ministry. I'm not sure how, if people are familiar he with did. Billy Palau, his ministry. But One of the really great, great all-time people, just a winsome, wonderful uh, ambassador for Christ. And and uh, I asked him, yeah. what would you what would you say? Do you think in a text message back from heaven to Christians on earth? What what do you think you'd say to them? <laughs> and he said, I think I'd say, go for it. I said, what do you mean? He said, take a risk. Tell others about the good news of Christ. And I bring them the best news oh, on yeah. the planet. There's redemption. There's a relationship with God. There's heaven. There's an eternal party that's waiting for them. Take a risk. And I think one way we can be courageous and take a risk is to invite someone who's not a Christian to come with you to see the Case for Heaven movie. And that, that's a risky thing I think to that's do. A... But, man, that's being courageous. It is. Now, what can people do? Uh, before we go, what can people do to make sure they can see this movie? How's the best way to go about it? Yeah, if they go to uh, thecaseforchristmovie.com and put in their zip code, it'll tell you the, the local theater that's going to have the movie. You can get your the, tickets right there. You the can case for the case, Yes, thecaseforheavenmovie.com. Yeah, thecaseforheavenmovie.com. There's a lot of information on that, and you can buy tickets. It's exclusively in theaters April 4th, 5th, and 6th, so next week. And the, the tagline on the website is Experience the Evidence for Life After Death. I think that's... Um, something that people should grasp is that there's evidence, uh, as we've talked about, that this is something that is yes. going to be riveting. And I, 
I think that this is a great project. I am I am so excited well, thank about you. this. And I would encourage our listeners I, I to, uh, you know what, next next week you got a small group or something, cancel it. Go to this movie. Bring the people that mm-hmm. God has placed in your life and go see it. And uh, you'll yeah. be blessed, and they will be blessed by it, and you'll be inspired. We like to say on this program that if you're a believer in Jesus, that no matter what is going on in your life, your best days are in front of you. Yes. That, that is the case, and this movie will help you understand that. Uh, Lee, any final thoughts for uh, for people about this this movie? Well, you know, I would I would say uh, don't miss the opportunity. It's only in theaters three nights, and uh, yes, it'll stream after that on on a streaming service. I don't know which one yet, but you want to see it in the big screen yeah. because the cinematography, as oh, I yeah. said, is breathtaking, and um, you'll you'll re- it re- be much more of a um, uh, an experience seeing it in the theater. Yeah, I agree. And uh, that experience is great. You're going to have a good time. So, uh, yeah. Lee, thank you so much for joining us today on Southern California Live. I appreciate your time in doing that. And thank you well, for your, I your ministry. The opportunity. Yeah. Thank you. All right. And uh, what's the weather like where you're at right now? You know what? I'm in Houston, and actually it's pretty darn warm out here. <laughs> oh, all right. Okay. <laughs> all right. Nice, nice day. See, we can be jealous of you for an afternoon. Uh, there you go. It's probably One humid, though. You know. <laughs> oh, very <All> right. humid, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Lee, thank you so much for joining us on Southern California Live. My pleasure. God bless you and your listeners. All right. Thank you. God bless you. That was Lee Strobel. Lee Strobel is the author of The Case for Heaven, which is being made into a movie that comes out next week, The Case for Heaven. You can get tickets and more information at thecaseforheavenmovie.com. I'd encourage you to go there right now, thecaseforheavenmovie.com. And check it out. Uh, I was able to see this movie, and I'll tell you what, it's great. And it's going to inspire you. It's going to bless you. And it's a it's a great ministry tool for you. And if you're out there and you're kind of skeptical about Christianity and stuff, this movie will help you push a lot of the, the stuff out of the way that sometimes maybe um, just gets you there, you know, gets you frustrated about other things. This is the big picture. You're going to spend eternity somewhere. And I think most people in their heart and soul, I think we think this. Humanity has always had a spiritual angst in every culture and every background. My friends, Jesus is the answer. Jesus tells us who he is, who God is, how to be right with him. And the good news is you get to be right with him because he made it possible through his life, death, and resurrection. And his resurrection is uh, the first of the resurrections, showing us that uh, we're going to have everlasting life, showing us that he really was God, that he meant what he said, that he really is the Messiah, that he really is the Savior. Check it out. TheCaseForHeavenMovie.com is the website. The Case for Heaven is the movie. And if you're interested in the, in the books, Lee mentioned that there are kids' books and other versions of the book. Just go to wherever you get your books and uh, type in The Case for Heaven. You will find it and uh, get that today. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. We'll be back in just a couple of moments. Stay tuned. Go to kkla.com, look for SoCal Live. This program and the podcast is listed right there on that page. You can get any episode you want. It's up there usually pretty pretty quickly after the program. And uh, the number here is 888-528-2557. We have a few minutes left of the program. If you want to uh, join us here, 
888-528-2557. You know, it is such a great thing to have the conversation about heaven. And all of this time, we have so much fear about death, you know, in our culture. And I know a lot of you, are, you're still terrified. I know some people who still will not go outside because the, of the COVID maybe blowing on the air. And, um, you know, we live in a society where we're continuously giving more reasons to be afraid. That's kind of what our, our news cycle is about. We have nothing to fear. One of the things I am reflecting on just in our interview here is the idea of of home, that when we get to go to heaven, we get to be home. And we say things at funerals. And I'm a pastor. I do these funerals. And, you know, sometimes we say things that are there to comfort people and they become cliche, you know, until we see them again, which is not true unless the Bible's true. And we say, well, we'll see them again, or or, she's in a better place, or these kinds of things. You know what? Uh, Those are things we say to comfort each other, but what if they're true? What if there is an afterlife that is defined the same way as the Scripture says? That's something that the evidence is showing and showing researchers about. Um, Whenever you get Lee Strobel's work, he is talking about evidence that even secular scientists are doing, trying to explain what are these near-death experiences, how are people having these experiences. You know, for a while, the, the conversation was that your personality and your, your soul or whatever you think your soul is is just a bunch of neurons firing in your head. It's very physical, and it's located in this part of the brain. And now science is saying it's not there, and what is it? Well, as believers, we believe that you have a soul. That, that death is not the end. You're going to transition into eternal life one way or the other. And Jesus tells us something. He talks to us about home. You know, we say somebody passed away and they went home to be with the Lord. And we say that as a cliche. If you thought about it, that as home, and maybe home for you is not the most comfortable place, but you probably have a comfortable place that you look forward to getting back to. Home. Jesus says in John fourteen one, do not let your hearts be troubled. I love it that that's what he says here when he's talking about life and he's talking about um, the things that are hard right in the middle of his discussion. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. And here's the why. You believe in God, believe in me also. And he says, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you. Uh, would I have told you that I'm going there, he says, to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me that you also will be where I am. You know the way to the place I am going. And then Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. I love the idea that this is home, that this is the place that you are homesick for. This is the place where At the end of the day, at the end of your life, if you know Jesus, if you know and confess him as your your Lord and Savior, that he died for your sins, that he was resurrected on the third day, if you believe this and you trust him, you give your faith in him, you're going to go home one day, and it will be a place of rest. It will be a place of the best comfort you've ever had. It's home, the way home is meant to be. I was really moved by that, that part of the conversation there. 888-528-2557 is the number here for Southern California Live. And uh, you know uh, what else is that when we're talking about the evidence for our faith, that's something that we have. 
we are required to have faith. You can't prove everything scientifically beyond a reasonable doubt. But there, my friends, is so much proof or evidence for our faith, so much reason and thought. We are not lost to some kind of fanciful hope that's based on things that you can't go look at and see and touch and interview. And what you find out with science today, even modern science, is that it eventually comes around to the Bible. That eventually, you know, sometimes there's it might differ with the Bible on one thing or another, but as the science grows, as we observe more, as we are able to research, as we are able to do that fairly, what happens that's so profound is that eventually the science comes around to the Bible. And sometimes we have to look at the Bible and say, oh, it doesn't really say what we thought it said. You know, sometimes a long time ago, people thought that the Bible taught that the earth was the center of the universe and that the sun goes around the earth and all of that. And then science pointed out that that wasn't true, and then the church fought that for a while. But the interesting thing is the Bible never says that. The Bible does not indicate that. The church, it was an interesting theology. I can understand where if you don't know how the the universe works, that it would make sense to say that the earth is the center of the universe and everything revolves around the earth. I could imagine why early church fathers would have thought that. Um, But when science says that, no, actually the earth goes around the sun and there are other planets going around the sun and that this is a solar system and there are other solar systems and all of that, it doesn't change what the Bible says. It doesn't change what is true. It just changes our understanding of, of reality. Science does that. Don't be afraid of science. And when when scientists say something that seems to contradict our faith, ask yourself if the Bible really says that or not, because maybe, you know, sometimes things over time we haven't really read and we just get there. Um, But also say to yourself, you know what, over time it seems like science eventually comes back around to something that will match what the Bible has to say, something that will come alongside, sometimes even prove what the Bible has to say. It's a very, very uh, powerful thing. You just have to be patient and trust God that people are going to find these things out. Uh, let's go to the uh, phone call here. Rose. Rose, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi. Thank you so much for taking my call. Yeah. Hi, Rose. Hi. Um, the reason I was uh, wanted to speak to you is because um, I actually thought Lee was still there, but you can you might still be able to help me. I have three male family members, uh, my brother, my dad, and my husband, that are all unsaved. And um, I've been a believer for like over 20 years. And I don't know why I can't seem to uh, uh, to help them. But um, I know that um, that uh, they might, uh, you know, be convinced uh-huh. by someone like Lee Strobel. And I was going to ask if there was any materials that he that he's done, since his background, I think, would also help, you know, to convince these people um, you know, yeah. what would be the best, like if there was one thing of Lee Strobel that they could either read or see online that you'd recommend to try to read somebody who's not terribly interested, uh, yeah. but might, might take a look at it. You know what I mean? Sure. What I would recommend is to just begin him with, uh, the case for Christ from Lee Strobel. Uh, that's the name of the book. There's a movie to go along with that. That's also very good. It's called the case for Christ. And when you're, you're working with these people in your family, they need to understand who Christ is, that everything, they might argue about creation or argue about this or that and all this stuff. Focus people on, this is what I tell people, is focus people on Christ because and the resurrection of Christ and the evidence for the resurrection of Christ. Because if they see that, if they realize that Christ came up out of the tomb, 
and something happened, and it literally changed the world. It changed the world in history. It changed the world in all of these different ways. Um, that's where it's at, because if Christ came up out of the tomb, then they've got to deal with all the rest of the subjects. Then they have to deal with everything else. If Christ didn't come up, then they don't have to deal with it. Uh, even the scriptures teach that, that if Jesus didn't rise, then all of this is a waste of time. So look for the case of Christ. You can find it wherever books are sold. If you go to Amazon or, or a bookstore somewhere, you'll find it. It's called The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. He has lots of other resources. And there's, there's more and more that is out there. So thank you, Rose, for your call and that question. I think it's a really good one. And uh, before we, we go here in a minute, I wanted to point out in our first hour of the program today, we talked a lot about the Will Smith and Chris Rock incident at the Oscars and a lot of thought about that. And this just came out recently that Will Smith has offered an apology to Chris Rock. He said, violence in all of its forms is poisonous and destructive. My behavior at last night's Academy Awards was unacceptable and inexcusable. Jokes at my expense are part of the job, but a joke about Jada's medical condition was too much for me to bear, and I reacted emotionally. I would like to publicly apologize to you, Chris. I was out of line, and I was wrong. I was embarrassed, and my actions were not indicative of the man I want to be. There is no place for violence in a world of love and kindness. Uh, I think that's pretty good. You know, that's what he needs to do. That's that's what he needs to do, and I'm glad he did that. Yeah, you know, we can all learn from that. You know, most of us aren't punching each other in the face, but some of you do that. I know people who have done that, and uh, I've had I've had conversations where I thought that was about to happen to me. And uh, you know, the apologies go a long way in our life when we just take responsibility, even if we had a reason, even if we had something. You know, there's there's always a give and take in different things, or not always, but most of the time. Um, so that's a good part of the end of the discussion, I think, of uh, what we talked about this hour. My friends, thank you for being a listener of Southern California Live. It is always great to be with you each and every afternoon. We're on from 3 to 5 on KKLA and all of Southern California uh, from 3 to 5. And if you ever miss part of the program, you can go to kkla.com, get the podcast for this show. You can download it. You can listen to individual episodes, even individual hours. So there's really two podcasts each and every day. And I encourage you to do that. We had a really interesting conversation today. And also when you're on the website, kkla.com in the LA area, or if you're listening in San Diego, go to kprz.com. A great thing about being in the radio family is that we we can talk about all of these things coming at it from different perspectives, different traditions um, of the Christian faith while lifting up Christ together and going back into our, our churches and worshiping Christ and loving one another the way he has commanded us to do it. So thank you for being a part of our program. I'm sorry I can't get to the rest of your calls, but we're done for today. God bless you. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.